Welcome to See You on the Other Side, where the world of the mysterious collides with the world of entertainment. A discussion of art, music, movies, spirituality, the weird, and self-discovery. And now, your hosts, musicians and entertainers who have their own weakness for the weird, Mike and Wendy from the band Sunspot. Super Bowl Sunday, everybody. Who are you pulling for? Uh, uh, Maroon Five. Maroon Five. I just I don't know. I'm I'm pulling for Big Boy from Outcast uh, because I sure do think that he's a talented musician and I enjoy him. I did just see the halftime show and I appreciated their paranormal uh, bent by having the meteorite hit the stage in the middle of the performance. That yes. was pretty cool. Big fireball. They did? Did the aliens come out? Well, if you want to call the guy that was singing an alien, sure. <laughs> Adam That's Levine, cool. I would call him an alien because um, <laughs> I find his music uh, out of this world bad. Oh. Um, I'm just not wow. a No, I got to oh, respect clearly. the guy. He stayed relevant for like 17 or 18 years. You know? <laughs> yeah. I actually didn't know they were headlining or, you know, doing the halftime show until today. I haven't heard much chatter about that. Were they like a last minute thing or what? Yes, because a whole bunch of people turned it down because a lot of, yeah, a lot of hip hop artists don't want to be associated with the NFL right now because Hmm. of the whole kneeling Colin Kaepernick thing. Oh, wow. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, who would turn down the Super Bowl halftime show though? Well, that's, that's the thing. So like Maroon 5 even canceled a press conference where they're going to talk about performing at the halftime show, but because they didn't want to take questions about the whole kneeling thing, they said, we're out. They canceled it. So. But they did not miss their chance to take their shirt off in front of all of, of America. Of Lee's gonna do. He's like, he's like, my show is called The Voice, but I am the bod. So what I want to know, since this is a paranormal show, after all, were there any like Illuminati's uh, symbols that came flying at you during the halftime show? Like, you not, know, not when like Katy, Katy Perry wore the, oh, the Baphomet dress? right. Yeah. And then like the big, the eye of Horus came in. I was like, that's oh, right. Yes. David. And then Left Shark sent a cryptic message with its weird dancing. <laughs> right, David Ike, <laughs> David Ike was pooping his pants. Um, okay, here's here's actually what I wanna, why I brought up the Super Bowl. And <laughs> oh it, yeah, back to topic. It's from a story that, that came out this week that I thought was really interesting. So Tony Romo, you guys might remember, he's a former quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys. And for the past two seasons, he's been a commentator for CBS Football. The thing is, is that like during the game, he would like forecast the next play or he'd talk about like what he thought that the quarterback was going to do. And he kept saying, like predicting it with awesome accuracy. So all over the all over the websites, uh, the sports websites, people were saying, dude, Tony Romo is a psychic. He's <laughs> awesome. So what happens is that. And this is in the New York Times this week. This is in uh, the Wall Street Journal. After um, the Patriots-Chief game for the playoffs before the Super Bowl, people were saying, man, Tony Romo keeps on predicting these plays too perfectly. What's going on? The Wall Street Journal goes back in. They study 46 hours of television footage from the past football season to review the 2,599 plays that Romo has provided live commentary for. Okay. They found 72 instances when Romo prophesied what a team was about to do. 68% of the time, <gasps> he hit. That's oh, pretty good. Oh, man. That's not pretty good. That's amazing. Yeah. The thing, the thing is, is that imagine if we used this kind of scrutiny for 
like for for psychic stuff for for like when John Edwards says like I talked to your great grandmother or whatever, what's his hit rate? No, that's true. The scrutiny part of it is is correct, but the thing is, I don't think it's that amazing because you figure if there's like he's going to have better than a 50-50 chance because of his experience and his knowledge of football as a sport. Yeah, and 50% puts you at chance already. Yeah. So, I mean, he's going to do better than that, and it isn't like he's 99% correct. I don't know. No, I know. I know that. I'm not saying that Tony Romo's a freaking psychic. I know. But But at first first glance, I'm like, oh, wow, that's amazing. But then I thought about it. I'm like, well, yeah, actually, like, you know, they hire people like that so that they can make educated guesses and... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, I mean, a couple of things, right. They hire people who are super knowledgeable about football. They hire guys like Troy Aikman who've been in the Super Bowl, you know, so that they can, they can say like, here's what I would do in this situation. Right, and they, right. And they have to be, you know, they have to be on the ball. They have to speak well. Being a commentator isn't the easiest thing in the world. I mean, we think about football players like, hi, I'm a football player. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to give 110%. <laughs> I would like to thank, first of all, I would like to thank God. You know, like the whole thing, like God sitting there watching a football game and like, you know what? Cowboys are looking good this year. You know, <laughs> but right. People on Twitter were calling him Ramostradamus. That's awesome. <laughs> that is so good. That is right. So, so good. This, but this whole idea that you know people were writing about his predictions, and it's more than just a fifty-fifty. Like he, there's in football, there's more than just two things. There's there's hundreds of plays that you can predict. It's more than just running and passing. It's certain plays that he was predicting. And I know okay. that doesn't mean he's psychic, but just the idea that everybody was saying like, "Holy crap!" Tony Romo is saying like he's saying the plays. 10 seconds before they do the plays. Wow. And I think it's just he's so well-versed in modern football, and he he ran those plays, you know, as soon as like seven or eight years ago that he was doing them, that, you know, he's such a good commentator because of that. But also the fact that somebody at the Wall Street Journal was paid money, American money, to watch 49 hours or whatever of Tony Romo commentating sports and writing down his hit rate. <laughs> Yeah, that's pretty cool. And I just feel like when we talk about the kind of research you have to do, the scientific research to decide whether parapsychology and, and psychic powers, and we were just making jokes about Yuri Geller before we started <laughs> hit record, as we were wont to do. Like, we even talk about this crap before we even hit the record button. We're laughing about Yuri Geller. Well, his and, press photo with the spoons over his eyes, I mean, come on, right. it's brilliant. And this is a story from the See on the Other Side newsletter this week. So uh, Yuri Geller uh, he must be interested in the British Conservative Party because he said that he was going to use telepathic powers so that Jeremy Corbyn would never become prime minister. So he, w- he said he would use his telepathic powers for that. And, and he, he said that in like a, uh, the Jewish monitor or whatever he, because Yuri's British Israeli. And, you know, so this takes this picture of him. He's got spoons over his eyes. And Yuri Geller is famous for bending spoons on the Tonight Show and things and facing off with James the Amazing Randy. You know, they loved each other. Right. Bromance. <laughs> well, and that's the thing is because every hero needs a villain. So the psychics needed a villain. Like the, the people who love psychic powers and love the paranormal, we had a villain in James the Amazing Randy because he's the spoil sport that comes in and says, you're all going to like, you're all full of crap. Yeah, you're all going to die and it's going to be horrible. <laughs> like it's, you're go- it's all going to oblivion. Psychic powers don't exist. I'm James the Amazing Randy here to crap all over your dreams. And then, <laughs> and then there's Yuri Geller. 
there's Yuri Geller coming out saying, oh, <laughs> look at me, I bend the spoon. It's so beautiful. Life is beautiful. I love Life is beautiful. I'm going to resurrect your watches <laughs> across the world. Right, right. And work, three, we say work. one, two. Work. <laughs> he does a thing. Everybody say work. And I mean, two I sides my- of a totally ridiculous and stupid spectrum. <laughs> But the thing is, is that Yuri Geller is such a charismatic. I mean, James the Amazing Randy is a very charismatic speaker and things. And Yuri Geller, like, I remember um, watching him as a kid. Yeah. I think just, oh, man, that guy seems like the coolest. Me too. Like, I want to hang out with Yuri Geller. <laughs> and Michael Jackson did, right? <laughs> He's like, I want to hang out with him. I remember hearing him on Art Bell and him telling us all to put our broken watches on the radio. So that he could say work and we could all say it together. And then all the people calling into Art Bell and saying that it it worked. And I was like, this is so cool. Right. I'm like, Yuri's for real. (laughs) I just drank it. Yes. (laughs) You just drank it in. I I was like, you drank the Kool-Aid, the Yuri Kool-Aid. It was so convincing. But that's the thing is that, you know, Yuri Geller, we needed the... Uh, the kind of skepticism that they gave to Tony Romo and the Romostradamus that the, the Wall Street Journal did. And so, you know, they, they're going to do that for the Super Bowl because it's the biggest television event of the year. It's the biggest sporting event uh, in America every year. And so people are going to, you know, they're going to take the time to do that study, a silly study for a Wall Street Journal article about the Super Bowl. But yet when people make extraordinary claims, I mean, extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence, right? Yes, and so uh, it's like when Yuri Geller would go on The Tonight Show and he, he couldn't bend the spoon. And you can watch mwah, it on YouTube and it, and it breaks your heart. Like yeah. even, even Tony Romo could bend you the spoon, You want him Yuri. to win. You just want him to win. Yeah, because you, you wanted psychic powers. Every, we all want psychic powers to be real. And I know that colors are uh, the way we re- research things, but I feel like if you don't want psychic powers to be real, you're just a boring Richard Dawkins. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah. We pick on Richard Dawkins a lot, but that's because Allison and my father like reads his books and like he'll come in and my mom's talking about church. He'll be like, oh, what a load of crap. Well, but the other thing is, all right, you know, he saw that exorcism of Emily Rose and he's like, oh, my God, the devil's real. Don't you remember that? And then um, oh yeah, <laughs> just a few years ago, he's like, oh, my gosh, guys, did you... I we took him to some psychic fair, you know, or I did as I want to do, and because uh, I wanted to get my. We're aura talking about our father, not Yuri Geller. Yes, my father. <laughs> Thanks our for father. Uh, <laughs> not Yuri. You know, I, I'd save I save my adventures with him for the weekend. So um, yeah, so we took not my to dad to this thing. And he got this pamphlet about uh, crop circles. And he was like, did you see this, Allison? This is real. <laughs> and I'm like, uh, yeah, like 10 years ago. <laughs> right. We <laughs> or, were talking about you know, crop circles since you were like in your 40s, Dad. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> That's right. So I don't know. He, he, he goes back and forth. Let's just say that. He does, but we, we love him. He's <laughs> good. Fun. He's fun no matter what. He's fun no matter what. <laughs> he's fun to make fun of. Yeah, of course. <laughs> but okay, so I kind of I wanted to bring up that whole thing because I just thought it was really interesting that uh, they would go through and watch. You know, somebody spent over two days of their life watching footage of Tony Romo calling football games so that they could give his hit rate. And if we could go through and you could watch Jonathan Edward or Yuri Geller or James Vonderprog, 
<laughs> James Von Frag. James, I'm sorry, James Vanderbeek. No, <laughs> Dawson or Chip Coffee, Chip Coffee, all these mediums, or chi- right, or Chip Coffee, and get everybody and just what's their hit rate? Because if they can't beat sixty eight percent, then I'm gonna then I'm gonna get a reading from Tony Romo. <laughs> Absolutely, break out those uh, Zener cards, please. Well, Tony Romo is the guy that was dating Jessica Simpson. Remember? Yes, I do. Yeah. Do remember? Yeah. So <laughs> for some stupid reason, I did not I remember, remember that. I have to. I have to confess. I'm sorry. Yeah. Well, I you know, don't so. care in the least. Why <laughs> is that occupying any space in my brain, Mike? Because celebrities got a celebrity, and we got to uh-huh. talk about it on the show. Oh. All right. Um, moving Speaking on. Speaking of real, celebrities. Mo- well, moving on real quick. I kind of wanted to mention something. Uh, that I thought was interesting based on our conversation in the last episode where we talked about the guy that drove through the security gates at the Nevada National Security Site. Remember that? we had right. the discussion Oh, on. my yeah. goodness. Yes. Yeah, okay. well, yeah, we still don't know what that's all about. And and didn't he have like a cylinder or something that he was right. brandishing? He had a, a hand percussion and he was shaking it at a very irregular rhythm. So that's why they tackled him. He had a shaker and the cops are like, we will not take 7-8 on this site. And they popped him. <laughs> they do not do a regular time signature at the Nevada National Security No. Um, but has there been a press release well, since last week with any additional yes, information? There has okay. Been. So, I mean, we, we, we go over this in the show notes a little bit. So maybe two hours after we talk about it on the podcast, they released the guy's name. And it's Nikilio Dwayne Graves. He's a 27-year-old from Iowa. And I immediately, like, it was really, like, as I was writing the show notes, um, they released the name. So immediately the first thing I do is I look him up on Facebook to see, like, his Facebook profile and everything. And, like, he's a black guy. Uh, he's got a lot of cartoon stuff, a lot of comic book things. Like his like name is like Kilo the Conqueror and stuff. He's into this stuff called ops gear, which is like combat style clothing. He's got a picture of like an AK-47, like maybe some rap pictures with him looking like a tough guy, which doesn't seem weird because Wendy, I'd say from our musician friends, we know a thousand people who take like tough looking pictures and stuff like that and put them on Facebook. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. So like I was just picturing the media saying like, well, Nikilio Dwayne Graves was a young thug from Iowa. Yeah, Mike, we even have press photos of us with bullets across our chests. And <laughs> that's right. That's right. We have the whole thing. We've got like a post-apocalyptic press uh, press photo where we got weapons and things. I wanted to look him up real quick before they took down the information, and uh, I just wanted to see, you know. Because the thing is, a lot of times, um, when something like this happens or any kind of crime happens, they'll jump on, they'll look at somebody's social media, they'll put up the incriminating pictures. Like, you know, they all. He also had a picture like him and his nephew, where he's like hugging him and things, and seems like a nice Aww. guy. Um, so, right, he's a human being, and human beings yeah. have several different sides to them. Sure. You know, he's got a whole change.org petition that he signed about something about like letting nonviolent offenders out of prison, and his like when he signed the petition. It said like, well, I don't, I don't want other people to miss their father their whole childhood like I missed mine. Wow. You read that and you're like, man, this guy was a human. He was popped. So what was it? Why did he go in? Was he trying to learn secrets? Did he want suicide by cop kind of thing? By blo- you know? Yeah. Um, and it looks like he did go to jail in 2015. Mm. Um, that's where it's, that's, I found some legal records of that. And that's kind of where his Facebook ends in like 2014, 2015. You see that he uh, had some kind of misdemeanor or uh, some 
like lighter felony he went to jail but the thing is i felt like nobody blows the security gates and stuff and so our our patreon member uh chuck martin uh, who wrote a great book about stranger than fiction with true stories that he experienced as a uh, a military person and a law enforcement officer himself? You know, he wrote in. He's like, you'd be surprised how many times people blow the gates at secure sites, and it's it's he's like it's it's something that's happened that he knows about personally that he experienced in the military, and you know he didn't kill anybody <laughs> or those guys didn't get you know shot and stuff. So. Um, this was an outlier kind of a situation where, because I figure you blow the gates at Area 51 and you just, you're just like stepping onto a yeah. landmine. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you're going like to uh. die. Like there's, that's it. You forfeited your right to yeah. life by going yeah. past those gates. That's why they have all the big signs. And, but right. maybe not the case. No. So maybe they probably give most people a chance. They probably do some time or whatever or get them out of there. But so there must have been something else that probably happened. I guess the cylindrical object in hand that looked like a weapon is probably when a police officer fires, you know, that mistaking an object for a gun thing. There's two sides to that. It's like, okay, could they disarm him at the same time? If somebody you think is going to use deadly force against you, are you going to take that chance? Yeah. If it's their life or yours, are you going to give up your life for, because some guy blew through the gates at the security site. So I just thought it was interesting before everybody took down the information and before we made prejudgments or, you know, about this guy, like what was the guy from Iowa doing in Las Vegas? There's still a lot of questions about it. Yeah, we still don't know what that cylinder was. Right. Like what was he doing? Why did he take it out? He must have been scared and all those things that happened at the end. And uh, so that kind of story. So, But I just I wanted to mention it not only because I kind of wanted to add on a little bit from the story from last week, but I also wanted to mention that someone that actually has military base experience because, uh, you know, Chuck told us about that area in Rendlesham. Right. Where, right, he told us about, because he had friends in the Air Force that told him about the, the area in Rendlesham Forest near the Air Force base there where uh, no cars would start, uh, where batteries would drain and uh, electronics wouldn't go. Uh, and so they used to pull pranks on people in that area because they couldn't figure out what, what, what kind of electric, electronic anomaly was happening there. And so he's a whole bunch of experience at Air Force bases. And he said, you'd be surprised. People blowing through the gates happens more often than you think. So I just kind of want to add that, that little Yeah, PS. that was good to hear that from uh, someone who's actually worked in military security. Right. You know, mm-hmm. to know that it happens and it's not just... <laughs> It's not like they 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 cross the fence and they vaporize like these incidents happen and they're dealt with case by case. Usually in a non-lethal manner. But they manner. probably don't get on the news like this one because they're not in a nuclear test site necessarily. <laughs> right. Such a famous area where so many bombs went off. And, you know, the thing is, like, my, my experience with secret military bases kind of starts and ends with Warehouse 13. So, <laughs> yeah, that, right. not actually a source. Yes, that's you can't use fiction, unfortunately, in your bibliography. So I just wanted to mention it. Thought it was interesting. Wanted to continue the story that we yes, talked about. Yes, and thanks, last Chuck, week. for letting us know about that too. Appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, Chuck. All right, on, brother. All right. So continuing weird news that happened this week. All right, I got to start with this because I've been thinking oh, boy. about this. Well, all week long, I've been thinking about this because when you turn on Netflix, the first thing that comes up. Um, and you know, when you turn on Netflix, they show you a preview of whatever's kind of trending at yes. the time. And so this week, uh, the preview is for Conversations with a Killer, the Ted Bundy tapes, which features audio recordings from dozens of hours of death row interviews with 
Ted Bundy, the serial killer, uh, that happened in 1989. And um, reporters Stephen McCloud and Hugh Ainsworth uh, wrote a 1989 book called Ted Bundy, Conversations with a Killer. And obviously, true crime dramas are hotter than That's hell right true. now. Yeah. And they have been. Because remember, you guys remember the making a murderer taking place in Manitowoc? Mm-hmm. And uh, the jinx on HBO where they caught the killer on the actual show. And I just finished That's watching amazing. that series finally. So now I'm, I'm in on it now. Oh, you yes. did? Okay. Yeah. And really, when you get to that last episode... Because uh, had to, we had yeah. to wait each week when it come out in like 2014 or, or maybe in 2015. And when you get to the last episode, you're like, oh, <laughs> like, holy crap. Right. And since it was a few years ago, I had to look it up right away and find out, you know, like what the heck happened. But anyway, it's a great yeah. series. If you haven't checked it out yet, I recommend it highly. It's fascinating. And just, uh, yeah, the, the psychology there is quite right. I don't want to spoil yeah. the no, jinx because the jinx is too new. <laughs> and I've been I've been watching on Oxygen the, the Smiley Face Killers. <gasps> is so, it good? Uh it's it is surprisingly. Um and and these these retired detectives I'm surprised about just how likable they are and how believable they are and well, some of the likable, autopsy. they wouldn't get a show. Like Oprah well, wouldn't have been like I know, you get a but... show and you get a show. They're like he's kind of a jerk, but I guess <laughs> we'll give him a show. Well, I just mean they have they have a presence on camera, but you know more importantly than that is is the experts that they bring on, and you know you get to see a lot of the evidence, like even autopsy photos. Uh, oh, that's nice. You, you know they they don't show them in a gratuitous way, but and but you know like one of these cases, the first show. Uh, oh man, it was like. When you you conclude, it's got to be sloppy police work because they're reading the uh, coroner's report, and I've read those before, but I've never actually had a report that came with photos. And so they're like, "We need to get the photos. We need to get the photos." And they get the photos, and the kid had ligature marks on his neck, which means it, he had somebody oh who gosh. strangled him. And you can see it. The the marks are like red and they're deep and they cut into him. And, you know, it was like total smoking gun material. And like he puts his uh, they, they also looked um, at the photos of his his fingers because on certain nails uh, in his nail bed, there was a pooling of blood, which showed that he was actually trying to shove his fingers underneath um, whatever was being used to strangle him Ooh. to loosen it. And and still, the police are were like, oh, he just fell into the river. And I'm like, come on, people. And they didn't even report any of that in the actual report itself. It's just in the photos. Have you thought he was strangled by a fish? Like he might have been strangled by a fish. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, um, no I, I, I don't think. Uh, I don't think they have. Uh, you know, whatever, like uh, uh, extension cord or whatever oh, was used. But gosh. I mean, it was really compelling and like slam oh, dunk stuff. So I would really highly recommend that show. Um, or we're to episode three now, so I'm getting excited to maybe even watch it after our podcast. Tonight. That's great. I'm glad to hear that it's good. I can't That's, wait to check it out. That is great. Yeah, it is compelling. So. Going back to talking about when you watch Netflix, the first thing that comes up is conversations with the killer, the Ted Bundy tapes, right? And if you guys don't remember Ted Bundy, 
I don't like. I feel like I don't want to talk about his greatest hits. But Ted Bundy was a serial killer who who operated mostly in the mid 1970s, and he was originally from Vermont, but then he went to college uh, at the University of Washington, and uh, basically. Like a, a complete, you know, like the kind of sociopath, he didn't feel things the same way we did. He preyed on young women, and he was a decent-looking guy. So he's a good-looking guy, and women were attracted to him. And so what would happen is um, he would get close to him, maybe date him for a little bit, uh, and then he would kill him. And so he eventually confessed to 30 different murders wow. uh, in several different states, you know, Washington, Oregon, one time, like he entered an apartment and bludgeoned a, sleep, a sleeping woman to death. Uh, he would kill the women. Sometimes they'd be unconscious for days, and he'd lock them in places, and he'd come back, sexually assault them uh, until they died. He would even sexually assault the bodies after they were dead. So he had a, he had a particular thing about killing women. That was his, his M.O., and uh, raping them before or after death. So serial killer... Sicko, necrophiliac. But when people talk about him, they'd say that, you know, well, he's a really charming guy. Mm-hmm. I mean, people, you know, like, oh, yeah, Ted's, he's a really nice guy. Like, he was the last person that you would suspect because socially he wasn't awkward. Like, when you think about a serial killer, what's the, you think about somebody that's maybe their hair is disheveled. Like, like they, they might have glasses that are a little bit cockeyed kind of thing <laughs> have you been watching no. the crime channel uh, like you know me I mean. right now you can't see me on skype but oh so i better I'm make sure at, they're aligned they're a little bit sweaty so i'm looking i'm looking at allison <laughs> stop looking skype. at me again and describing <laughs> a little allison, bit sweaty disheveled you, hair you just might be a serial killer yeah the thing is and, and ted buddy why he even make more news is that june 7th 1977 um they, they like caught him but he's being transferred from like between two different county jails. And he elects to serve as his own attorney. And because he elected to serve as his own attorney, he's excused by the judge from wearing handcuffs or leg shackles because he's, he's his own representation. During a recess, he asked to visit the courthouse's law library to research his case. He hides behind a bookcase, jumps from a second story window, sprains his right ankle, but doesn't matter. He takes off and runs away. Wow. Breaks into a hunting cabin, steals food, clothing, and a rifle. Gets lost in the forest, breaks into another camping trailer. He finds food. He fi- he's able to survive with like a sprained ankle in uh. the Colorado Rockies. And he goes on for several days like that. Finally, um, he breaks into a car, but he's not driving well because he hasn't slept. He's in constant pain. Cops notice a car weaving in and out of its lane. They pull him over. And then they're like, hey, it's Ted Bundy. Right. Jackpot. Public enemy number one. Then they take him back to jail. All right. So what happens? He tries to get a uh, like a change of venue and stuff like that. And then he escapes again. So he's trying to do a, a change of venue. The, the judge grants his request because they say like, okay, after you were a fugitive in Aspen for several days, you were on the TV everywhere. So you know what? Uh, we're going to grant you a request of, of change of venue because you can't get a fair trial. So what happens? Night of December 30th, most of the jail staff is on Christmas break, nonviolent prisoners on furlough with their families. He piles books and files in his bed, covers them with a blanket so people think he, it's his sleeping body, climbs into a crawl space, 
breaks through the ceiling of the apartment of the chief jailer who's out for the evening, changes into the clothes from the jailer's closet, and walks out the front door. Oh, man. Man, eat your heart out, Houdini. <laughs> yeah. It's an escape um, artist. By, by New Year's Eve, Ted Bundy made it to Chicago. Unreal. Yeah. And so he keeps going. I mean, this goes for several weeks. He eventually even makes it to Florida. He's supposed to be on trial for murder. He escapes, gets to Florida, and then when he gets to, he gets into a sorority house. Oh, bre- no. Breaks into the rear door. 2.45 a.m. He bludgeons oh Margaret Bowman, 21, with a piece of oak firewood as she slept. Oh, then garrets her. No. We were talking about being strangled. Oh, yeah. We were talking about being strangled with a... Uh, Extension cord, he, he garrets her with a nylon stocking. He then enters the bedroom of 20-year-old Lisa Levy, beats her unconscious, strangles her, tears one of her nipples, bites oh, into God. her left buttock, no, and no. sexually assaults her with a hair mist bottle. So he keeps going like through this, uh, I mean... That's like a horror movie. He, he atti- right, it's exactly like a horror movie. In fact, the movie 10 to Midnight, Charles Bronson, the movie 10 to Midnight, there's a whole scene that kind of takes place in this dorm this woman's dorm that seems like it's based on this particular ted bundy attack i remember we were watching at grandpa and grandma's house a little family outing a little family uh, entertainment yeah, a little family <laughs> outing. we're watching tent of midnight <laughs> and watching and, and, and my like, mom's like that's just like ted bundy <laughs> that's exactly uh, what she said yeah like, oh uh, this is just like ted bundy Oh my God! And so he does four attacks inside this dorm, and then he breaks. And inside this sorority, that doesn't sound out. appropriate for grandma and <laughs> <Seriously>. grandpas. <laughs> well, I'm sorry. Go on. Grandma couldn't hear. Grandpa was out smoking. Dad sees an action movie. We're gonna watch but it. But it does yeah, give me a lot of insight into you two and your uh, your yes. <laughs> early years. <laughs> and the, the <laughs> populated by horrors. The reason I kind of wanted to mention his crimes is not because they're necessarily paranormal or whatever in nature, but the fact is that Ted Bundy, like, he was already captured. He was already on the run. He could have found a way to freedom. He could have found a way, like, you know what? I got away with these murders. I'm just, I got away from the cops twice. Yeah. And I'm free. He decided to kill more people. He decided to assault more women. Yeah, it's like he couldn't stop himself, even if yeah. it meant freedom. Right. He decided to be more foul. And so what happens is, I mean, they eventually catch him again. Oh, well, how many women did he kill in the sorority house? Well, there were four attacks in the sorority house. And I can't read here that he killed anybody, but he sexually assaulted at least four women in 15 minutes. What? Within Yeah, four women within 15 minutes with an earshot of more than 30 witnesses who heard nothing. Oh, man. Then he escapes from there, breaks into another girl's apartment, Cheryl Thomas, dislocates her shoulder, fractures her jaw and skull in five places. She's left with permanent deafness and equilibrium damage that ended her dance career. Oh, man. Uh, on her bed, police find a semen stain and a pantyhose mask. Okay, I think we get the picture. Ted he's Bundy's he's gruesome. Yeah, he, he, he's, he's a yeah. nasty dude. I mean, the thing is, this good looking... And the reason I kind of want to bring up all this stuff that's disgusting is that... Like, Ted Bundy goes back to prison, and this time he doesn't escape, but people are still sending him letters. Like, women are sending him letters that they find him attractive. Oh, Um, come on. Yeah. I mean, he got married to someone while he was on trial. Like, a woman married him, and he fathered a daughter, and the woman named Ted Bundy as the father. That just makes me sad that it's like... People, stop being charmed. This is evil incarnate. Oh, but he's hot. 
So I just like lose my yeah. brain when I look at him. Okay, and so this is exactly what's happening. In number one, there's a new movie coming out with uh, Zac Efron. You know Zac Efron, that good-looking <laughs> mm-hmm. young man. Yep. As Ted Bundy, and the movie's called Extremely Wicked, Shockingly Evil, and Vile. And we laugh about serial killer stuff, but the, the stories I just told you are real. And yeah, that's not true. Lifetime had these kind of nightmares were visited upon them by this man. So people are seeing this, this trailer with Zac Efron. They're also seeing the Ted Bundy. Every time they log into Netflix, they're seeing the Ted Bundy, you know, preview for the documentary about the confessions of a killer. Netflix has to tweet. I've seen a lot of talk about Ted Bundy's alleged hotness and would like to gently remind everyone that there are literally thousands of hot men on the service, almost all of whom are not convicted serial murders. That's the kind of, so Netflix had to remind people this week because so many people were tweeting because now we're seeing Ted Bundy again because of the Zac Efron movie and because of the Netflix documentary. They had to remind them that this guy was evil, like the, like the definition of evil. Like he chose over even his own self-interest to hurt people. Yeah. And, you know, here's the thing, people. How do you think the devil is going to come to you? <laughs> there is such a thing. You think he's going to come looking like, you know, some Usenex blob, you know, uh, or a horrible pussy demon? Uh, you think he's going to projectile vomit on you? Or you think he's going to charm you to death? What do no. you think? <laughs> no, that's true. But do you also think that Netflix would be getting such great ratings if they were showing that kind of thing? I mean, I'm sure Netflix, right. you know, that's nice of them to put their public service message out. But it's like, okay, clearly it's helping their service. It's helping their, you know. But also, right. um, yeah. I don't think people are like saying that they're i don't it seems weird to me that netflix has to say that you know because it's people are commenting on his physical appearance they're not like yeah the way he bludgeons people to death that really turns me on you know (laughs) so i mean it just seems weird that netflix has to step in and be like okay we know he's physically attractive but he's a bad guy (laughs) take a cold (laughs) shower people (laughs) yeah it's yeah. really hot the way he garrets women's necks with nylons. But but like, Mike, you know, like what you were saying, when he was in prison, you know, women were still writing to him, trying to throw themselves at him, and somebody even married him and you know, fathered a child, you know, like had a child with him. And the thing is, conjugal conjugal visits weren't legal in that particular prison. But conjugal visit means ha- you have sex with a prisoner. Thank um, you. But conjugal <laughs> visits don't have a dictionary any show with prisoners. <laughs> right. they, they weren't. Or dictionary.com. <laughs> they weren't legal. But at the same time, people would said, like, if you bribe the guards enough, they'd let, you know, things happen. A couple of things interesting about Ted Bundy beyond the fact that uh, this week, and the thing is, I had, like, because even my wife was like, Ted Bundy, oh, I can see why women would think he was attractive, but the whole murdering thing makes him disgusting. Well, that's how he got into sorority when he was on the run. You know, I mean, where does it go? Oh, hey, right. there's a bunch of women. I can convince them that I'm good. I mean, that is crazy. Right. completely messed up. There's that he found two, a sorority house. Two interesting things about Ted Bundy I found in the research. Number one was a Snopes.com article um, that I'd never seen before. Um, and it's the, the article's name is, Was Blondie's Deborah Harry Nearly Abducted by Ted Bundy? <gasps> oh, wow. Now, now, Debbie Harry, Debbie Harry is my future wife. I'm married, but... 
Oh, I'm hoping no. that we get polygamy is one to eight possible so I can marry her. So here's a newspaper account from 1989 that says, The way Debbie Harry recounts the story is absolutely frightening. The rock singer, best known for her work in the post-disco new wave band Blondie, was just trying to hail a cab. I was trying to get a cab on the Lower East Side of the village in New York, and it was kind of late, Harry said. This was back in the early 70s. I wasn't even in a band then. I was trying to get across town to an after-hours club. A little white car pulls up and the guy offers me a ride. So I just continued to try to flag a cab down, but he was very persistent, and he asked where I was going. It was only a couple blocks away, and he said, I'll give you a ride. I got in the car. It was summertime, but the windows were all rolled up. She got into the car? car. Rookie mistake. Come on. (laughs) This is Debbie Harry in like the early 1970s. Come on, Debbie Harry. She was probably high. (sighs) Come on. Um, Gary Lackman was, I think Gary Lackman, one of our guests, probably was in the band at the time. Yeah. Just about to be there. So she goes, I was sitting there and he wasn't really talking to me. Automatically, I sort of reached to roll the window down. I realized there was no door handle, no window crank, no nothing. No. The inside of the car was totally stripped out. I got nervous. I reached my arm out to the little crack and stretched down and opened the car from the outside. As soon as he saw that, he tried to turn the corner. I spun out of the car and landed in the middle of the street. The driver, Harry concluded more than 15 years later, was serial killer Ted Bundy, who was executed and so this last January, so this is an article from 1989 in Florida's electric chair. It was right after his execution that I read about him, she said. I hadn't thought about that incident in years. The whole description of how he operated and what he looked like and the kind of car he drove and the time frame he was doing that in the area of the country fit exactly. I said, my God, it was him. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. That's horrible. But well, amazing. at least she was, you know, she made a mistake, but she's yeah, scrappy thank and God she, she got herself out. out of it. So, but gosh. I mean- I don't see Ted Bundy in New York City at that particular time. Like he went to he he was going to go to University of Utah Law School. Um, like he went to college at the University of Washington. So I don't see her. I don't see him it's particularly as a true story with Ted Bundy. But it was crazy that Debbie Harry got into that car with that guy. With you know just another serial killer that's trying to catch women with his. Uh car with no exit ability but she also retells the story because for a little while ted bundy was in ocean city which is not very far away anyway thing is debbie harry ted bundy i thought that was a crazy story i'd never heard yeah. that before and the other thing i thought was interesting was that ted bundy seems to have haunted the electric chair that killed him and this was reprinted originally this was printed in psychology today and it's by uh, uh, Catherine Ramsland, PhD. And oh, she yeah. Bo- Kat- yeah, she wrote a lot of great books. She wrote a book about called Haunted Crime Scenes. And she said that uh, he confessed to killing 30, you know, 30 young women, seven different states. He tried to prevent his execution the best he could. Uh, he didn't want to die. Um, he wanted to stay alive and keep killing. So he, he gives the interviews to the people that now made up the uh, Confessions of a Killer, uh, the thing we see on Netflix. But in his final hours, he pleads with God, and you know God's like thumbs down. You know God, you know God's like the the emperor in a gladiator movie that's like finish him, kind of thing. And so, two thousand one, a guard from the Florida State Prison where Bundy spent his final days told a reporter that shortly after Bundy was put to death, several guards saw his ghost casually sitting on the electric chair. The guard described Bundy's expression as a knowing smile as if he knew something important about the afterlife that they didn't. If a guy tried to approach him, he'd disappear. Wow, that is weird. The man telling him the story said there were so many sightings at one point, the warden 
couldn't find anyone willing to enter the execution chamber alone. Uh, Bundy also showed up around his holding cell on death row. To some guards, he'd say, well, I beat all of you, didn't I? However, his spirit apparently travels. People have seen him at the Chi Omega sorority house where he committed the murders that earned him two of his death sentences. So he did kill there. Yes, it sounds like he did. He's been found on the porch of a building in Tallahassee where he rented a room under a false name. A few mediums claimed to have channeled him, and one told the author of that article, Catherine, that uh, Bundy was interested in redeeming himself by assisting her to solve more murders. So we'll see what happens there. Washington State at the university, like there's you know jokes about how uh, they call him Teddy the Friendly Ghost, and he's not your best friend forever, he's your best dead friend forever that accompanies you on late night walks back. Yeah. So that's that, that kind of urban legend kind of thing. Like, well, you know, Ted Bundy used to walk these streets. And so some people tried to talk to Ted with a Ouija board. And he spelled out messages like, I cannot touch them, so many to kill. And I cannot touch them, it is my hell. Or he wants to join Jeffrey Dahmer. Uh, that's what the big time killing is. Yeah, so weird Ted Bundy ghost stories. And so when she tried to follow up, okay, so... She tries to follow up on the story. Uh, she's got a book now called Blood and Ghosts. So going beyond haunted crime scenes, now she's coming up on Blood and Ghosts. And she's a, she's a very entertaining author. So what happens is, uh, when she tries to follow up on it, she says that the warden says that anyone who spreads stories about Ted Bundy's ghost will be fired. Oh, wow. So the chances of them, you know, getting any kind of, uh, you know, uh, corroboration about the story seem to be huh. up in Interesting. Smoke. So Ted Bundy's ghost, Debbie Harry, the stuff on Netflix, and finally today, Super Bowl Sunday, printed in the Cleveland News. Uh Uh-oh. Dateline, Las Vegas. Our man from the ghost adventures, Zach Baggins, enters the story. Welcome to the demon house. (laughs) Who in there? You even lift, bro? Yes, our (laughs) man, our man, Zach Baggins, of the infamous demon house. This week, he has purchased a pair of glasses believed to have been worn by the infamous serial killer, serial killer, <laughs> serial killer. I'll get you, Red. I'll get you. No. Serial killer Ted Bundy, he paid $50,000 for a pair of those glasses. That's almost two demon houses worth. Yeah. <laughs> Which proves that Zach Baggins also, is just too can you, rich. Can you just go back for a second? You said believed to be Ted Bundy's glasses? You're going to pay that much money and not even know for sure. I mean, there's got to be some kind of a certificate of authenticity or something with those things. Yeah. Well, I'm going to go find out at the Haunted Museum later this month. So I will tell you guys. Oh, take pics. (laughs) I'm going to wear Ted Bundy's glasses. So Baggins purchased the glasses, which Bundy allegedly wore when he kidnapped 12-year-old Kimberly Leach in Florida from a crime collectible site. He also bought the brown evidence bag and exhibit tag that the classes were stored in after they were found in a Volkswagen Beetle stolen by Bundy. So the allegedly means the glasses were found in. So they a car may or may not stole. be his, but they are related to him. Yeah, or so they to could, his activities. Yeah. Absolutely. But are they haunted? Well, that's what we're going to find out. Yeah. Um, is it going to be sight unseen? Like, like when he bought the demon house, it's like, sight unseen. I just knew that this place was so haunted with so many demons. <laughs> and I, I could make a real there. quality movie out of it. <laughs> but, you know, I, I just, uh, I, I can see, like, if you wanted to purchase yeah. the electric chair, the haunted electric chair. But I, 
you know, it's not like you're going to wear the glasses, you know, like he, he will sometimes wear glasses to try to look intelligent. Um, you put the glasses on and all, all of a sudden you start seeing like the ghosts of people. I know. Right, I, I, right. Like terror vision. Oh you know, God. like the glasses from They Live. Like as soon as right. he looks through the glasses, he sees people. <laughs> he sees like, I see dead no. people now, man. I see dead people, brother. I just I can't imagine everything I think of Zach Baggins. I think about talking like Hulk Hogan. Like it'd be right. so much cooler if he's like, "Oh man, let me tell you about the Demon House, man." Uh, <laughs> well, it, well, really quickly though, if we it, should suggest that if you yeah. haven't heard our song "Demon House" from the episode we did about that movie, please check out the show notes at othersidepodcast.com/slash two three four, and we will make sure that there's a link to the YouTube video with that because. Uh, you might enjoy it. Yeah, because the thing is, who in there? Who in there? Because the thing about the demon house is that he even said that it right. Messed with that's his right. And that he had like I'd get. Remember he had like cataracts or and then he had to wear those special from his night. Yeah, the special house. Coke bottle. And glasses. that's why he has to wear the glasses. <laughs> Bingo! The only thing that can cure Sack Baggins' demon infestation oh is Ted Bundy's <laughs> alleged glasses. <laughs> oh. <laughs> That's so. why you bought him. Yeah, <laughs> Some kind of witch's brew, like Eye of Noon and Wing of Fat and Ted Bundy's glasses. Put them in a big cauldron and mix it around. <laughs> and about 10 front squats, man. <laughs> anyway, I know we bust Zach Baggins balls, but they're just so much fun to bust. Yep, that's right. So so that's what I thought was the most interesting thing I saw this week. And really what inspired this was the press release that came out today. This is what our news has become. Hey, Maroon 5 is playing the Super Bowl. Hey, Zach Baggins buys Ted Bundy's glasses. Yeah. Well, it was an interesting deep dive into the Ted Bundy history. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't realize there was so much paranormal. No, I haven't either. And I mean, I'm kind of curious to watch that series now. I don't know if you guys have at all watched any of it, but I haven't I yet. Have but I, I might have to check at least the first episode out and see. I'll pass. I'm still in the middle of the second <laughs> season I hate of Handmaid's Tale. I've got to make it to the end of the Handmaid's Tale before I get to the next thing. So (laughs) that's enough. Handmaid's Tale is enough misery porn for me. Well, speaking of witchcraft. (laughs) Speaking of misery porn. (laughs) Yes. No, no. Speaking of witchcraft and, you know, boiling up Ted Bundy's uh, glasses with some eye of Newt, we have some recent news. Uh, Apparently, Doreen Virtue, once a new age purveyor of the so-called Oracle Divination Tarot Deck, has changed her tune. She has now become a born-again Christian. What? Uh, yeah. So Okay. All right, then. So uh, Doreen Virtue has completely done a 360 here and changed her tune regarding the New Age. So she, she's this, this uh, New Age beacon of wishy-washiness. And now is saying that everything that she once espoused is a way to let demons into your life. So um, she's a born-again Christian. She's saying, like, now you should just give give up everything, you know, give everything to God. And, um, you know, she's... She regrets her, her past. Right. And she is now coming up against everything. Crystals, divination, oh. even drumming circles, she what? thinks. Okay, that's she it. That's I... where I draw the line. You know, I, I know, drum- right? I can see being against drumming circles like 
like it's a crime against oh, here good we go. taste. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> against God? I think God's fine yeah. with drumming circles. Yeah, so... Like, he uh, lets Ted Bundy go around. Do you think he cares about drummers? Yeah, Come what, what I think is... <laughs> Sorry, Allison. <laughs> you, need, you need to pontificate here, Wendy. No, I'm just saying, drummers. drumming is like one of the most primal human communal experiences how could you how could you be against a drum circle i know right so um what i really found entertaining was um not her article about you know the the um a to z of you know how you can give yourself to the devil through the new age but i really liked christian day's uh perspective on it he wrote he wrote a reaction to um, so christian day is a guy yeah, Christian Day is a famous warlock. He's originally from Salem. He's a warlock. And yeah, and now he uh, lives in New Orleans, Louisiana, which we love, Nola. And um, he wrote a response, which is really hilarious. You, you, should, you guys should read the whole thing. But his response is to an A to Z list of New Age practices to avoid and why, which was her article, um, which really disses everything that she once stood for. Um, as I said, you know, crystals, she claims, you know, are something not to be worshipped. You know, of course, Christian Day is like, uh, hey, we don't worship crystals. <laughs> Divination, nope, don't, uh, don't try to figure out anything for yourselves. You give it up to God. Uh, bring your concerns to God instead of a, por- a fortune teller is her quote. Uh, drumming circles. So um, this is what Christian Day had to say about what she said. According to the virtuous one, we should, oh, this is quote, quote, we should direct all our prayers to God and avoid going into trances, which could make us susceptible to demonic intrusion, unquote. She clearly doesn't understand the science of magic and psychic work. I can almost guarantee you that if I hooked anyone in an average uh, Pentecostal church to an EEG machine to monitor their brainwaves, they'd be in alpha or even theta brainwave levels, which are both among the forms of trance that drumming induces. So if trance itself is bad, I think many of these Christians are in serious danger. If drumming circles are wrong, I don't want to be right. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Any any of those speaking in tongues religions, you know, the, the Christianity where they go into and what do they call them? The charismatic Christian uh, traditions? Yes. Any of those traditions are going to be off the table here because that's all trances. That's almost automatic writing and the spirit supposed to, the Holy Spirit's supposed to flow through you. Right. So she disses everything. Mediumship, laws of attraction, paganism, of course, and hypnotism, journeying are all related to the drum circle going into trance. Harry Potter, of course, is evil. Uh, did I say goddesses? Um, now this one, this is one that Christian Day agrees with. Fairies, you know my favorite fairies. <laughs> Virtue informs us that quote in reality, fairies are usually demons in disguise or an overactive imagination, and that quote we must be cautious about sparkling enticements that the devil places before us. Uh, unquote. Well, I do think an overactive imagination comes with the territory of nearly every religious affiliation, so I can't dispute her there, but I can disagree with her on the fact that, scratch that, she's right. 
fairies aren't all sparkly and some can actually be dangerous <laughs> as right. anything we associate with a demonic something we've talked about a lot on seeing <laughs> on the other side okay score one for doreen except that the fey folk can be powerful allies for those who take the time to work with them correctly and my favorite my favorite uh... thing that doreen virtue dist besides fairies is feng shui what? <laughs> yes, Come on. feng shui. She says it's evil, and this is what Christian Day has to say about it. Heaven knows that Jesus will smite me with leprosy <laughs> if he doesn't like where I put my couch. <laughs> but so, yeah, the truth the, is, though, a couple things. Yes, oh a couple things here. No, number one, speaking now, not that I want to take Doreen Virtue's side because I haven't even heard of her. No, I've heard with the 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 warlock named Christian Day. And is her last name love. really Virtue? Yes. Well, you know, she probably who knows? Her name. Do you think his name's really Christian? Like between <laughs> okay. Christian Day and Doreen yeah. Virtue, it's the battle of the pseudonyms. It really is. Um, but so the one thing I wanted to mention, number one, is hypnotism being of the devil. Because um, you know that our friend, our magician friend, David, David Parr, Parr? Mm-hmm. he's you know he's like he we shouldn't mess with hypnotism, man, because it's this is not a stage act. It can really change your brain. So I can see where people would be warned about you know about hypnosis. Thing is, so if you guys were watching the Super Bowl at all today, you know that CBS had like a um, after the Super Bowl they were having a show called The World's Best, and it was like a, a talent show kind of thing, and so they got this thing called Hypno Dog. And I miss that. What the hypno dog is a dog that can hypnotize people, and so the whole act is like you know the whole act is you look into the dog's eyes, and then he hypnotizes you. And the funny thing is, is that the the, the preview for the preview for the show was watch Drew Barrymore meet hypno dog, and the, it was like. It showed a dog, like, you know, with the dog holding it, and Drew Barrymore, like, looks in his eyes, and then she falls no. over. And I'm like, that's, that's the preview. Come it's on. Like, welcome, welcome to the world of idiocracy. Drew Barrymore gets hypnotized by Hypnodog. Is it dangerous for me to look this up on YouTube? Am I going to no. get, like, hypnotized no, you, by watching a video of Hypnodog? You might be hypnotized and fall, fall over. over my chair. Just like it. So that was the first thing I thought of. I was like, oh, yeah, well, you know, we've had people on the show that say hypnosis actually is dangerous. And now we've got Hypnodog making Drew Barrymore pass out, one of our beloved starlets, pass out. Oh, no. Oh, he's cute. Well, I, I don't think David Parr was attesting that it's dangerous. I think he was Maybe he just thought saying, Hypnodog was dangerous. Yeah, maybe. Or that it's just a, it's a powerful tool and you know, you should be careful how you use it. I think his point to me in private conversations has been, you know, that's a violation that stage ma- magicians are perpetrating, you know, when they hypnotize you and have you, um, you know, balk like, yeah. like a chicken. They, they're eliminating your free will. Right. So he has a, a problem with that because he says it's really happening that people's will is being compromised. No, I understand. And, and Drew Barrymore's will is being compromised I as know, we speak. You're, you're concerned about that. So that's what I have for you today. Oscar the hypnodog, though. Uh, Oscar. No, but oh, but the thing cute. is, though, like Feng Shui, we've all read like a Feng Shui website or whatever and decided yeah, we, we, mm-hmm. we weren't going to put mirrors yeah. in front of the bed. Like, I'm not going to put a mirror in front of the bed anyway because I wake up and like, oh, I look fat today. But the thing <laughs> is, like, that doesn't need to be magic necessarily to me. But all of those things, I can see why a Christian, if somebody's like a born again or something, that all of that idea of putting your faith into powers that aren't related to the Bible and aren't related to 
the Christian God. I'm not trying to defend Doreen Virtue because I think she's crazy. I think she was crazy before and she's probably crazy now. But I just, I don't think it's that weird that she would denounce those kind of things because, you know, if we talked to, like, if we went down the road and talked to a Catholic priest, he would say, yeah, astrology. It's not necessarily from the devil, but it's certainly not from God. Right. It's something that's going to divert you from your path. Right. And so the thing is, I'm not trying to defend the woman who was into angel therapy. You know, she even has a, an MA in counseling psychology from a university and a doctorate in philosophy from a university. And she came out and said, like, yes, angels will heal you. Um, <laughs> and she said that in a past life, she studied under Pythagoras himself. Wow. Uh, and, that's, and that's why numerology was real. And she's into indigo children and crystal children. I didn't even know there were crystal children. Crystal children have crystal colored aura. What's, what's, what's that? I don't know. I guess magic happens around them. They have heightened psychic abilities. Um, yeah, they will change the world when they grow up. Jesus was a crystal child. Sweet. Well, you know, I think, too, that all of this, though, it has to do with, you know, whether you want to have... Uh, some self-determination in your life or you want to give it up to a certain power. And I think that's the big struggle that we're dealing with here. Right. And and maybe that's evil or maybe that's like the Gnostics say. I mean, that's the only true path and all this other stuff is evil. Yeah. You know, th- th- these uh, this idea to just give up, give up, uh, you know, all your discernment to God and just whatever whatever that power has to say, you just go with it, you know, instead of uh, trying to get in there and, and do something yourself or trying to manifest something yourself. So who's to say, who's to say, but it, it was a, a jarring, um, a jarring change that I think has a lot of people scratching their heads. Like what happened to during vir- virtue? Well, you know, Jenny McCarthy believed that she was an indigo and her son was a crystal child. I didn't know yeah. that Jenny McCarthy even ran a website called Indigo Moms. But crystal children are more evolved in their psychic powers than indigo Well, I mean, children. I think all we need to know is that Jesus was one. So, right. it's so clear. He had the, I mean, he could walk on there water. There you go. Psychic it's, stuff. It's clear that indigo ch- children, that's all right. But not vaccines. <laughs> well, so the thing is, I just thought it was interesting that Jenny McCarthy actually ran a site called Indigo Moms, which, you know, take that as you will. You know, I... I think when I believe about people that the Christian versus pagan versus anything, some people find their spiritual guide in uh, letting go, you know, let go and let God or whatever, and then letting the universe kind of handle it. And some people find it in kind of taking their own path. And like, let's, let's say Christian Day, I mean, when you look at a picture of him, he's got like 30 necklaces around him. So obviously he's thinking about that. Nice. He's like, okay, guys, I'm going to just, I'm going to cover all the bases here and have (laughs) every single thing. And I'm going to look the prettiest in the process. (laughs) Or the Unitarians, you know, they're like, you know, what do we believe? Well, what do you got? So I think that some people find it in in letting go and other people find it in trying to control it. I think the real problem is when you decide one thing is evil over the other thing. Yeah, uh, and I, that, I think that's that's um, the the biggest uh, problem that Christian Day had with it. That you know he he said that she says she's not hating on others, but uh, you know how can you how can you separate that really? Absolutely. And, and and I remember too, like you know, growing up and taking catechism classes because Mike and I grew up Catholic, and you know one of the lessons I remember is. 
um, having, you know, the teacher got a, uh, you know, the kids together and it's like, okay, you guys are the Hindus, you guys are the Jews, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Welcome and to then hell. You, got, you guys are the Christians and then, um, you know, I'm God. So the Christians were the closest to God and everybody else was like orbiting God on the borderlands, in the hinterlands. So, I mean, that that's offensive on, on a lot of levels, I think. And I think we just uh, just should be open and you know agree to disagree sure. uh, with with Doreen Virtue. Right. Well, you know what? I'm a, I'm going to agree to disagree on Indigo and Crystal Children because I think it all sounds like New Age both to me. But everybody on their own. All right. So I got to say that the uh, the song for this week we're thinking about it. If Zach Baggins buying Ted Bundy's glasses and the Demon House is the best example of, well, hunting ghosts and afterlife research, would you even want to come back if the only person you could talk to was Zach? Oh, that's <laughs> right. horrible, Mike. And that that is kinda, a nightmare right there. That's kind of the basis of, of, of this and week's song. And he's like, call me Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> he puts on Ted Bundy's I'm like, glasses send to me see. to the abyss. Send me to the abyss. Zach is one of the few people actually listening, though. So, you know, if you're on the other side and you're that's trying to true. communicate with somebody, you might not have a lot of choices. I'm just saying. Oh, that's just sad. But the song this week is just the idea of uh, if those are the kind of people you're going to have to talk to, and <laughs> you're pretty much going to spend the afterlife alone. So this week's song is called I don't want to be a ghost. You can find it on the show notes at othersidepodcast.com slash 234, or you can find it in the Spotify playlist on See You on the Other Side. Now, this last Thursday, Wendy, we had a great time talking to our Patreons, didn't we? Oh, yeah. It was a hoot. It was definitely a hoot. And we talked about our favorite latest paranormal stories, uh, that feedback from every show, ideas for new shows, and those are the kind of things we would like you to be involved in. So if you're listening right now, please visit othersidepodcast.com slash donate so we can spend more time together. We're going to have bonus stuff coming up for you, and we have a chance to get to know you and get to know what kind of stuff that you would like to see on the other side. Yeah. Wendy, any special shout outs? Well, absolutely. We need to shout out to one of our wonderful Patreon members, Dr. Ned, who uh, supports us at a level where he gets this individualized, customized, specialized shout out every single week. And Ned, you're truly wonderful. You come to all of our shows in Madison and in this area and uh, your support means a lot to us. So thank you so much. And thanks to everybody who supports us through our Patreon community. And thank you, Dear listener, for tuning in. I hope you have a great week. Check out the show notes at othersidepodcast.com slash 234. Thank you for listening to today's episode. You can find us online at othersidepodcast.com. Until next time, see you on the other side. You're all full of crap. Yeah, you're all going to die and it's going to be horrible like it's you're go it's all going to oblivion psychic powers don't exist i'm james the amazing randy here to crap all over your dreams oh my gosh that's amazing that's horrible but amazing